We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Our speaker today is the senior pastor, Tom Nelson. I want you to look at something special this morning, a little two-week break from Proverbs. I'd like to teach you about the theodicy. Is that a new word to you? The theodicy. Theo, God, DK means to judge. Theodicy, or theodicy is talking about the judgment of God. Not about God's judgment, but about our judgment of him. The uh, argument that will go, if God is loving, why did my sister get killed when she was 17 on the road to Austin? If God is loving, why did my uncle abuse me? If God is loving, why did he allow Hitler to do what he did? Mao Zedong to do what he did. Hu Chi Minh to do what he did. Lenin to do what he did. Caesar, Alexander, why did he let them do what he did? It's the tension between God and evil. Whenever you ask people about questions, when they ask you, I have a question about our faith, the, the questions will always be pretty much the same. How can the Bible be true when it's written by men? How can Christianity be the only way? What about honest uh, Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists? Um, let's see, did Adam have a navel? That's always one that people don't feel they can go on until they find out. Uh, evolution, creation, how do they, we, we're taught this, is there any relation? And then the other one is, is the issue of the theodicy. Why can a loving God let a child die? Why can a loving God let the bubonic plague kill a third of Europe? Why can a loving God let Putin do what he's doing? Why can a loving God let us have a child that was so special needs that he needs virtually 24-7 to be watched over? If God were all loving, it seemed like that he would do something. If he was all powerful, he could do something. He doesn't do anything. And so how can a all-powerful, all-good God exist in a universe where there is continual evil? It was C.S. Lewis who said, we might not understand the nature or the origin or the persistence of evil, but the fact of evil is on us. And we can't get away from that everywhere that we go. There was a um, French atheist named Baudelaire who once said, if there is a God, he is my devil. Meaning if he would create with such a propensity of evil and such evil things occur, then I would have to be a deist and just say that he is not there. Because if I say that he is really there and this happens, now, as Madeleine Murray Harris said, that he is my cosmic Nazi. So what do you say against that? There was a guy named Oliver Wendell Holmes back He's the father of the, of the Supreme Court Justice, Oliver Wendell Holmes. He was a poet in the 18th century. And he once wrote a poem that was called The Deacon's Masterpiece, also called The One Horse Shea, a buggy. And his poem was about the deacon that made a buggy that was perfect 
and would last forever. And it went from century to century to century until the Lisbon earthquake, an earthquake that hit Portugal. And it was on a Sunday morning and it killed like 10,000 people that were worshiping. And the churches came down on them and interrupted their worship and their prayers with death. And when that happened, uh, across a lot of the world at that time, there came a great reaction against biblical Christianity. And it was because of the theodicy that we couldn't answer. Why did God let that happen? And so, in, and you can go home and uh, call this up on your computer phone, okay? And you can look up Oliver Wendell Holmes and read One Hoss Shea, the deacon's masterpiece, because on the day of the Lisbon earthquake, the deacon's masterpiece turned to sawdust and disappeared. And the analogy was very clear. You cannot have a good, all-powerful, loving God coexist in a universe where an earthquake can take place on Sunday morning and kill 10,000 of his people in the midst of worship. Uh, Hannibal Lecter. There's a, there's a jump for you right there. <laughs> You ever saw the Hannibal Lecter series? I saw it at a homeschool convention back when, years ago. The guy that wrote Hannibal Lecter was Thomas Harris. He's a Baylor boy. Did you know that? Baylor University from Mississippi. And uh, Baylor will do that to you. All right. But the reason that Hannibal was insane was that he was psychotic, amoral. When he, in one of, the, one of his books, when Hannibal was a young boy in uh, Eastern Europe, the Russians killed his daughter in a time of, not his daughter, his sister in a time of famine and ate her. And they fed her dead body to him. And when that happened, he snapped. Something happened in him. And uh, a lot of times through the Hannibal series, Hannibal Lecter will make statements about God caused an earthquake in West Texas where his worshipers were groveling before him and the roof came down on him. And he will frequently, Hannibal Lecter, will make statements about the theodicy. He'll never talk about his sister. He'll have nightmares about it, but he'll never talk about it. But it was the theodicy that made him snap. Apocalypse Now. Marlon Brando, Paul Kurtz, Special Forces, doing good over in Southeast Asia, giving vaccinations to all the children to keep them alive, and finding a great big huge pile of right arms cut off of children by the Viet Cong as a statement, if you let the Americans help you. And he said, when that happened, he said, Marlon Brando said, I heard a discernible click. And I thought, what brilliance, the horror. These people that love their children, love their wives, that enjoy a good meal, understood that you could use horror to accomplish its means. And he just went off and was gone. 
And so this can happen. How many of you know someone that will not read a Bible, talk about God, or attend a church, and they can give you the reason? Because something happened to them, and they heard a discernible click. It's not like the Bible doesn't talk about this. You ever heard the book of Job? Book of Habakkuk? Can you pronounce Habakkuk? Okay. If you read Habakkuk, it's about the theodicy. Job's about the theodicy. In a sense, the entire Bible, evil is introduced in chapter 3. It is remedied in chapter 22 of Revelation. Genesis 3 to Revelation is about the conflict of God and evil. But he doesn't just get rid of it like a genie. That with God, it says that righteousness and mercy kiss that you can be both merciful and judicial at the same time. How? How? You have to become the sacrifice. And so all of the Bible is about this, and we're all going to deal with it. How many of you are dealing with, I'd ask you not to point on this, but you're dealing with theodicy of things that happen, and you don't understand why, and if you'd have been God, you wouldn't have let them happen, and you still don't have an answer as to why God would let them. And that's why you face it through so much of life. Well, why would you teach this at Christmas? Good night, Tom. This is the best time to teach it because the coming of Christ was the answer, the beginning of the remedy to the greatest of all questions on why does a loving God allow evil? Uh, let me just begin with this, that if you're going to have a religion or a philosophy and purport what you think is truth, absolute truth that governs the conduct of man, you're going to have to deal with evil. You've got to answer the nature of it, the existence of it, the origin of it, the solution to it. You've got to deal with evil. And if you can't, you're just a paper tiger. In polytheism, you have an evil God. Um, like, uh, oh, let's see, Loki, uh, Pan. They were gods that in themselves, their nature was evil. They were coexistent with all the other gods, but they were evil. And that's where it came from, was from an evil god. Uh, in mythology, you will have stories, Pandora and her box that opens it up. Curious women are always getting you into worldwide disaster. Okay. In Hinduism, you have Kali, the goddess of evil, who has fangs and is festooned with human skulls. And you would have sacrifices to Kali, the goddess of evil. You ever see Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom? That was the worship of Kali. The city named after her was Calicutta. It's where um, Mother Teresa decided to put her outreach of good was in what was the, she felt the cesspool of humanity, was Calicutta to the goddess of evil. Outlawed, she was outlawed by the British during their rule of India. Uh, Kali is the goddess of evil, and yet the gods put forth a charm upon all of mortals where they think that everything has differentiation and disparity and diversity when in, in fact everything is Brahman, is part of the great one. And there's no difference between you and you and you. You're all together in the Brahman. And there's no difference between good and evil. They're both just different sides of the same thing. And it's called maya, an illusion. And so the gods laugh at humans who think that there is diversity and that there is good and evil. Isn't that amazing? It's kind of self-contradictory. Uh, 
and uh, you have to die and go back into the creation. Your Atman becomes part of the Brahman once again, and you are recreated. And depending upon your karma and whether you did good things or bad things, which is funny when they're in illusion, you now come back as a gerbil or a koala bear or a woodchuck. Okay. You come back at a different level. Buddhism says there is absolute evil. Gautama said, and where it comes from is your flesh, your anger, your lust, your pride. How'd a boy go a time ago? But then he said, the way that you get rid of it, you don't need a God. It's an atheist religion. You meditate on the eightfold path, you discipline yourself, and you get your body to go at rest. And you become part of the creation. Um, Kindle. <laughs> and now you lose yourself into the creation and you no longer lust. How about that? And so it's something that man has to get rid of. Dualism, you have equal and opposite forces. God is not eternally good. Evil is eternally bad. And so you just have two forces. You ever heard of Taoism? Where you got the circle with the two little squiggles in it? It's the yin and the yang, the good and the bad, and they're coextensive. Of course, how do you know that evil is evil and good is good if they're both coextensive? How do you know that you ever see Star Wars? That was Taoism. How do you know that Luke is good and gets to wear white chiffon, okay, and Darth is evil and has asthma? All right. How do we know you're not doing evil by building hospitals, you know? And so we don't have an absolute good whereby to judge evil. Uh, in atheism, evil is sucked into nature. It's not something above metaphysical that's above man, good and evil. It's just something that's nature. Our animal instincts make us rapacious and acquisitive. Uh, Sigmund Freud, our id is our animal instinct. The culture is our superego that demands more, so we reconcile them into the I, the ego of who you are. And so it's nothing more than animal instinct gained at water holes, and you just take evil and good and pull it into the machine of nature, and it's nothing but a biological response now. So no matter what religion or whatever you have, you have to deal with creation, the nature of man and the evil, its existence, origin, nature, and its persistence and how you're going to get rid of it if your religion's going to be worth a darn. What does the Bible say? Because the Bible, in a sense, is God and evil and of him eliminating it in a way that is commensurate with the nature of who he is. All right? Are you with me so far? Okay. First, let's look at the nature of evil. In the Bible, evil is true evil and revolt against true God. It is moral mutiny. It is metaphysical uh, takeover of the universe. That is what evil is. It's not an illusion. It's not coextensive with good. It is a revolt against evil. And the fear of the Lord is to hate it because it flies in the face of all of God's reality. Uh, 
God hates evil because God is good. He makes man for good. And so evil is driving out over the end stakes at the rental place. And so evil will self-demolish you. And it takes glory away from God. And so evil is true evil. It's origin because if you're going to have evil that is not a God, is not part of God, is not coextensive with God, you're going to have to have something. It's called an origin. The Bible has got to tell me about the origin of the revolt and who it was and how it happened. Prior to the creation, evil was a hypothetical, logical possibility. Where you have good, you now hypothetically have the concept of evil, but it's nothing but a concept. What would have happened if somebody was non-godly? It was nothing but a concept. With the creation of willful beings that are both called sons of God. Angels are called sons of God. Humans are called sons of God. When God created a being with an intellect like God to think, with a, a, a heart like God to feel, with a conscience to recognize good and evil, and with a choice in front of him and a culpability to that choice. So in the image of God is he that he will never ever not exist. You dig? There will never be a time that a human being does not exist. There will never be a time that an angel will not exist. Some will live eternally with God. Some will be in the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And so when God makes a human or an angel, evil now goes to a actual possibility. It really can occur. It is a potential possibility. Now you have, with the creation of the angelic realm and the human realm, something might happen. Thirdly, it became a reality that you saw an origin of evil in the angelic realm. And then whenever man and woman are created in the Garden of Eden, someone is there. There's Adam, there's Eve, there's God, there's a serpent. Where did he come from? He's not explained until later on. And Revelation speaks of the great dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. And so, who is this person? I remember when I was in seminary, we had a professor named, visit among yourselves. Oh, yeah. Norm Geisler. And he gave us a syllabus on angelology. And I thought, this will be interesting. I wonder how big this thing will be. It was this thick. And his statement was, you really can't have evil man and redemption without the coexistence of the angelic realm. He said, God tells you a lot about himself. He tells you a lot about us. He tells you all kinds of things about Christ. He won't tell you much about angels or demons because we tend to worship them. But uh, when, you, when Paul talks about making a man an elder, he said, not a new convert, lest he become puffed up and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. It was pride. Now, where does he get that? He gets that from Isaiah 14, 
When Isaiah is speaking about the king of Babylon, and then all of a sudden the language goes behind that king to what motivated him. And it says, you star of morning, you son of dawn, who said in your heart, I will be like the most high. I will exalt myself above the clouds. I will exalt myself in the recesses of the north. I will be above the stars of God. And I will make myself like God. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, where you saw in primeval time, you saw a rebellion in the angelic realm. And apparently, here's something interesting. How many of you ever wondered, why don't the evil angels repent? Can any more angels fall? No, because there is an election to the angelic realm. Paul told Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ and the elect angels to do nothing in a spirit of partiality. The elect angels, depart from me into the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And so you have in the angelic realm a temptation that was given. And after that, there is a probation that cannot be violated. No evil angel will ever come back. They are given over to evil. And no good angel will ever sin. It's kind of like, can you remember as a child or at any time putting your hand upon a, an open burner on a stove? You ever do that? The, it is so seared into you that you will never do it again. Your will is sealed. I doubt any of you have a, in your prayer life say, keep me from touching a red hot stove, God, because I enjoy it so much and it's a temptation. No, your will is sealed. There's no deception to you. You know what that can do. I was teaching this in the Bible study a while back. And one of the guys in the study held up his hand. I thought he was asking a question. He was showing you a scar on his hand as a boy. Y'all remember those gratings that would be in the, uh, in the hallway? So you always had a boy would stand over in your underwear and warm up in the cold. I'm the only one here, okay. And there was a, a grating. And I bet you there's a bunch of kids my age, when the, I don't know if they still have those things, would fall down on them and it would leave an impression on you forever. And so he held up his hand and I went, heat grating, right? Yep. He put his hand, he'll never do it again. He'll never do it again. And that's the way in the angelic realm, they saw something and they will never, ever do it again. All mystery is taken away from evil. They know what it can do. And so angels have a fixed point, but there is an origin of sin in the angelic realm. With Adam and Eve, every part of human history has a testing ground. God put them in the Garden of Eden and simply said one thing, do not eat here, eat here. And here is a temptation. And they fell. And when that happened, it said, cursed is the ground because of you. A curse went out. And it is not removed until Revelation 22. There shall be no curse. Has there been a curse on nature? How many ways can nature kill you? All you got to do is move to the coast. Okay and nature can kill you, or it can drought you out, or it can starve you, or you can be bitten by something or swallowed by something whole. 
Or you, nature can kill you in all kinds of ways. It is a fallen world. That's why there had to be a savior that had a crown of thorns on him. And so nature fell. God said, from dust you came to dust you shall return. The phenomena of death that is now imposed. And Adam's fall, we sinned all. Death came through one man. Sin came through one man and death through sin because all sinned in Adam. And so we die. Uh, mankind is now called by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Uh, we were dead in our trespasses and sins and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest, sons of disobedience. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Jesus, ye are of your father, the devil. And so from the womb, a woman gives forth in pain. Pain is coming from her. Job, man is born for trouble like sparks fly upward. It, we are natural born killers. And so mankind now becomes uh, in the domain of darkness. He is now the child of Satan. He's a born rebel against God. Um, what's another classic text? To the serpent, God says, I will put enmity between your seed and the seed of the woman, and he'll bruise your head. Who are the children of the serpent? I'll put enmity, Satan, between your seed. Who are the seed of the devil? Give you a hint. They're in this room. We were. Until we got transferred from the domain of darkness and born again into the family of God. Amen? You've got to shift lineages and die to who you were and raise up to who you are not. That's the way you do it. And so mankind now is a child of the devil, and that's why everything that man's touch, he'll screw it up. The home, the business, the government, the education, you can end up having children's stories read by drag queens, all right? Can that ever happen? Only in our public libraries. And so anything man touches, he'll defile it. Daryl Royal said he used to hate playing TCU because it was like cockroaches falling in your scrambled eggs. <laughs> Meaning you can beat them, but they just mess up everything. And that's the way, you heard it here, that's the way that man is. He is cockroaches in the scrambled eggs. No matter where you put him, he'll mess this thing up. Did it happen in the home? Wife, your desire shall be for your husband. You're going to try to take over. A sweet woman? Yeah. I said to my wife, does that mean that you're a rebel against me? She said, why do you think the Bible tells me five times to be submissive to you? Okay. And then it says, but he shall rule over you. Men can be irresponsible or they can be violent. The home got affected. Men won't submit to God. Women won't submit to God. They'll try to take over and they'll get violent. Children from the womb brought forth in pain. Conceived in sin brought forth in iniquity. How many of you taught your children by saying, hey, don't share the ball so much. Keep it for yourself sometimes. Did you ever have to do that? 
You need to learn about evil, son, just as much as good. All you ever want to do is be loving. No, man now becomes a child of darkness. Uh, And then ultimately, the seed of woman will crush the serpent's head. The serpent will wound his heel. Someone else got cursed. Who was it? Jesus. And so that is, if the Bible does not show you an angelic creation, an angelic fall, a human temptation, a human fall, take it and throw it away. There's no use reading it. It's all fluff because it's not dealing with the issues. And so evil takes place at a time and place. Incidentally, will there be a redemption of evil at a certain time and place with a certain person in a certain way? Yes, there will be. And then the return of that person to remove the very existence of it. God is sovereign. And so that is the reality of evil. And that's where it comes from. It's a revolt against what is absolutely good. The purpose of evil. Number one, evil is inevitable whenever you have creatures in the image of God that can choose. If you want to get rid of evil and its possibilities, you've got to get rid of you, your nature. We live in a world that evil is a real evil. If you go to cuss somebody, God won't put a hold on your throat that you can't say the dirty word. He'll let you say it with all the results therein. If you pull a gun on somebody, God will not make the trigger hang. He will not make a Nerf ball come out. When you're driving and someone rolls you off the road and you roll down the window, you will not invariably begin to recite the Lord's Prayer. Okay. You will curse them. So God will not mollify your nature. It's like James Dobson said, you need to teach a kid, is that life is loaded. You have actions that have results. God bestows on you the, the, the burden of choices. You can't study the history of lions and cheetahs. They're hardwired. They can't act other than they are. But can you study the life of humanity? You can have Middle Ages, Renaissances, Reformations, modern world, abortion, and pornography, and destruction. So man has real choices. So the purpose of evil, when you have free creatures, not sovereign creatures, but culpable creatures, God gives you the privilege of acting and having a commensurate response. That's the horror of being a human. Number two, evil has limits. Evil is evil, but it's never sovereign. God calls the sons of God before him. Satan, where you been? Walking around on my turf, earth. Have you seen my boy Job? He turns away from evil. Sure he does, because you keep working his side of the street. You let me have him for five minutes and he will curse you to your face. You can have him, but you can't have his body. Destruction. Did you see him turn? No, but skin for skin. A man will give his kids so that he can walk. You can take his skin. Boils erupt. He still will not turn on you. God said you can have his skin, but you can't have his life. Satan is evil, but is Satan sovereign? 
God always limits him. It goes like this. Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you, plural pronoun, you 12. He has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, to find out what is wheat and what is chaff. He's demanded. He can't do it, but he's asked me. You know what I said? I didn't say no, but I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. But after you have fallen, you will repent and strengthen your brothers. You need a good whooping, Peter. And I'm going to let it happen, and you're going to be a better man. Isn't that an encouraging text? Satan is not free. He don't like you, but he's not free. I will let him only be free to the level that I think is wise. And that's a problem sometimes. Did Peter have to weep deeply, bitterly? It's part of God's plan sometimes. And so evil has limits. Evil also reveals God. The angels must have wondered. He is a great, powerful being. I wonder what would happen if you tried to challenge him. Would he be merciful? Would he be patient? Would he be, and they had to invent words as they're going along. Would he be patient? Would he be wrathful or would he be uh, long-suffering? That was always a possibility that the idea of God was hidden until you have evil. And now the wrath of man shall praise thee. It's brought out. And now he becomes, as the Bible says, uh, he becomes a theater to the angelic realm to behold the mystery of God, things into which angels long to look. They can now see who God is. And so it reveals God. That's why on our on a piano, one time I had a girl in the church and I was talking on this and I had her play, Jesus Loves Me, but she only played on the little white keys. Is that a key? Is that a key? Okay. She played on the white keys and it sounded kind of tinning, kind of shallow. Blink, blink, dunk, blink, blink, dunk, dunk. All right. And then I said, now play it on the black keys. Play it on those in the cracks in there. And she played it, and it was lush and big and broad. Whenever you have God without evil, you'll only see a surface level of him. When evil comes in, now you see what is heroic. How many of you saw the great Christian film, The Truman Story, with Jim? I'm just lying. Okay. What was his name? Jim... Jim Carrey, the Truman story, true man, the true man, little boy that he is an actor in a reality show and he doesn't know it. The stage is not really real. It's a stage and there's somebody directing it, bald headed Ed Harris, the God figure. And everybody in the world watches this most popular show of young Truman going through life, but Everything is governed so that he will not hurt. He will not be wounded. He will not be in pain. He can't even get a girlfriend, okay? Everything is governed in his life 
so that it's nice and pastel, all right? And he starts realizing something ain't right. Something's not right, and it's not satisfying because there's nothing in Truman that can be heroic and great. And he just doesn't want this kind of happiness. And he starts finding out this is not real, that they're keeping me from a real world where there is pain. And you remember he tries to escape? He gets to that boundary of the biggest sound stage in the world. And he finds a door. And at that point, if you're going to not buy this, you owe me like $5. Okay. We're telling you about the movie. He gets to the door and Ed Harris speaks from above like God and says, Truman, everything you need is right here. Don't go out that door because out there you can be hurt. You can be killed. You can be murdered. You can be beaten. There's pain and there's tears out there. Stay here and let us orchestrate things and take away the possibility of your choice. And just be in happiness here. Be a comic strip. And Truman says, no. I, want, I don't want to just be alive. I want to really live. And if there's pain and heartache and death and tears and grief, then I want it. But I don't want a false world. Amen? You want a real world. Well, God has not made us to be Truman. He's not Ed Harris. I'm going to let you really go through life. So it reveals God and it reveals man. That man is in standing in the need of grace because there's nothing historically that he can touch. Egypt will go down. Assyria will go down. Babylon will go down. Persia will go down. Greece will go down. Rome will go down. The nation states, Germany, France, England, they will all go down. I'm just glad we're American. God will not judge us. All right. All the nations go down. They start stoic and they end Epicurean. All of them. And there someday there'll be a 10 nation power that'll look great and go down with feet of clay. There's only one city and one kingdom that abides forever. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so history reveals man. It's been said that in every history book, they should have something on the preface that says the words of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It's always depressing. Well, and sin also, I'm sorry, sin also reveals the purpose of sin reveals a plan. When did Christ and God's plan die for you? Revelation says this, he was slain before the foundation of the world. He had a part in the play. The universe was the stage. You and I were the actors. The angels were the audience. And the play has a script, a beginning, Genesis, and an end, Revelation, a pinnacle, the good news. And so all through this play, there are those, it will move to the place that Christ will die. God has it in his plan. Are there those who will believe and God will not lose one? They're called the elect. 
When was grace granted you? Second Timothy 1.9. Grace was granted you in Christ before the foundation of the world. He chose you in him before the foundation of the world. Whom he foreknew, he knew you. He predestinated your horizon where you will end up. And so we have sin to think that sin will occur. God will grade us grace. And then your, your next point is that sin will elevate man. We're in the Garden of Eden, naked, with no guilt, with a family. When we are saved, we end up in the presence of God eternally in the new heavens and new earth. Would you rather be naked in a garden with a snake and a mate? Or would you rather be in the eternal state? Give me the eternal state, especially without the snake. Okay. And so God has a plan, and that plan would involve evil. Capulets and the Montagues. What are we talking about? Romeo and Juliet. He's got a play. It's all in his mind. It works its way out into a sacrificial death of lovers. And a cross and a tomb on their bodies. And around him, there is the reconciliation of enemies. He has a plan, but it takes time. And that's the Bible. That's the fascinating thing of the Bible is that it's a chronological unfolding until where we are and then beyond. Nobody could have written this. And so that is the origin of sin, the purpose of sin and of evil. Next, we need to look at the persistence of sin. Why doesn't God end it? How about if God ended evil 25 years ago? Who would be in hell? Bunches of you would be in hell. If God had ended it in, at Woodstock, I would be in hell. How about you, Steve? You were toast. Okay. Are we glad that God does not end evil immediately? Yeah. I've had guys say, why doesn't God get rid of evil? I said, good. We'll start with you. He's not sure about that. Yeah. No, God, there's a reason for the persistence of sin. And then how will God eliminate sin? Will he just blow a whistle, say everybody out of the pool? Or will he have a way that is the pinnacle of the Bible that will most display his character and how he gets rid of sin? He will become Romeo. He'll become one of us who will die. To that, no human could invent. That's of God. But we're out of time. So you got to come next week to find out how this ends. Don't die. Don't miss next week. You get thrown in jail, break out. Let's celebrate communion. Father, for just a moment, we'll stop. And we will worship a God that you say that the secret things belong to God. The things revealed belong to us. You tell us things that we need to know. But you tell us on a need-to-know basis. Someday, we will no longer gaze into a mirror dimly. No longer will we look at your image dimly. But someday we will be face to face and we will know fully 
just as we are fully known. All will be revealed to us eternally. We will be in Bible study forever in the face of the King. In a place where there is the fullness of joy and there are pleasures forever. And so we thank you, God, of conceiving us into the middle of something so massive that the news can't see it. CNN can't see it. DC can't see it. LA, Wall Street, New York, they can't see it. Only the believer with the eyes of faith can see Genesis to Revelation and the progress to Calvary and away from it. And so thank you for the marvelous privilege that in him uh, the wisdom of God is made known in a body. Thank you. And Lord, there are things that we have to endure right now. That this study in the theodicy does not go merely to angels and demons and eternity. That it occurs every single day as choices lay before us and if things happen that we don't understand. When x-rays and MRIs and calls late at night come our way, and all of a sudden we're in the middle of the book of Psalms, saying, hasten, O God, to my help. Saying like Habakkuk, how long, O Lord, will violence exist before me? Justice is ignored and law is never upheld. How often shall we say that? But we will trust you unto our dying day. We will trust you. Uh, we'll remember now that point in the Bible that one man on one nation in one city on one hill at one time by himself between thieves would die for what we freely did and bestow on us that which you freely earned. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.